We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You knew the risks when you decided to drive drunk. There could be a crash. People could get hurt or killed. But that didn't stop you, did it? You knew you could get arrested. You could incur huge legal expenses, and you could possibly even lose your job. You were well aware of the consequences of driving drunk. But one thing's for sure. You were wrong when you said it was no big deal. Drive sober or get pulled over. This message brought to you by NHTSA. What up, my people? I think we are in need of a podcast to take our mind off of things today. The words, thoughts, and prayers just don't even mean anything to Las Vegas mass shooting there. It's become too normal. It really has. Thoughts and prayers don't mean enough. There has to be something done. There has to, We got to remove machines from people where you click a button and kill someone. Uh, it's just senseless and tragic. Then as I sit down to record this podcast, Tom Petty passed away, cardiac arrest. It's a tough day in American history here. Definitely a memorable one, sad. Life is fragile, guys. But it also does move on. We should take our minds off things, chat a little bit about the 49ers. It's our typical Monday recap of what happened. San Francisco loses 18-15 to to the Arizona Cardinals in just a god-ugly struggle where neither team really wanted to win. Honestly, you feel worse if you're the Cardinals playing down to the competition like that. You have your quarterback in Carson Palmer. You're supposed to be scoring more than five field goals in regulation. We'll break everything down, talk about 
why I think everything's going to be okay for the 49ers. There's actually two ways to view the 49ers right now. Certain fans are lashing out. They say it looks like Chip Kelly. It looks like Jim Tom Sula. This is not what we signed up for. And there's the other side of the coin. Long term, everything that's happening right now with the 49ers, in my eyes, is good. They're maintaining a top draft pick by losing, but they're playing competitive football. Another week against a division rival, Arizona Cardinals, a team they've struggled with notoriously. They were there at the very end battling defense, kept them in the game, six sacks. Defensive line looks good. Carlos Hyde looks good. Young wide receiver Trent Taylor looks good. You're not walking away from these games writhing in pain and saying we did nothing productive in those games. There's pieces of the 49ers that look good. This is a well-schemed team. Not well-coached yet. There's been some minor issues there we'll get into, but schematically, defensively, this team is shutting down the run. I know they've been against some opponents that don't run the ball well, but that issue is completely cleaned up. Defensive line got pressure on another bad offensive line. In favorable matchups, this front seven can win. They're doing that against Arizona and Seattle. That's a good thing. Offensively, the scheme to me, Brian Hoyer has his limitations. We're going to get into him a bunch in a minute here, but they're moving the football between the 20s pretty much every week, even against Seattle. After Hyde had that big run in the second quarter, they started moving the football. Kyle has not really worked with a crew like this in a while. He did in Cleveland, but I mean, he's had Matt Ryan at his disposal. He's had way more elite weapons. It was an adjustment for him. They've kind of opened up the field, and they're not getting much from Marquise Goodwin, and they're, they're starting a rookie tight end, a rookie in the slot. They still have Pierre Garçon. They have a good offensive line. I would say the tackles are good. Interior is not that good, so... Really not much to work with here, especially when Hoyer's playing the way he is. And they're still moving the football. Schematically, I think things are fine. And that's encouraging. You're going against more talented teams. Your coaching is keeping the game close. That's why scheme matters here. That's why play calls matter, when they're dialed up. I mean, I saw a bunch of exotic formations yesterday from Robert Sala. The other view. There is a short-term view here where you can paint this team in a critical light. Kyle Shanahan's supposed to be a quarterback guru. Picked Brian Hoyer day one of free agency. Said, this is the guy I want. I can prop him up in my system. He's done things in Cleveland. He underestimated Brian Hoyer. This has been a constant theme on this podcast and Twitter now. I mean, Hoyer is a good practice player. He's good in training camp. Things happen in a game. I don't know if he lets things affect him. But similarly to Marquise Goodwin, he's very good in practice in a controlled setting where there's not pressure, where there's interceptions and you shake them off and they don't really impact the momentum and flow of a practice. I was one of the ones who was a little duped by Brian Hoyer in practice. He mastered the system out there. It's much different when you're reading a defense. It's much different year one with all these new pieces. It's also much different when you're getting a bunch of drops too. The passing offense has not helped him much. Garcon was amazing against the Rams. He's been solid, but it's just really been him. As a consistent force, Trent Taylor has been stepping up. But to me, they identified Hoyer. He's been the one shooting them in the foot. Short term, does that throw questions into Kyle's quarterback evaluation? 
is he a hundred percent right on what he's talking about all the time? Obviously not. They did not expect Hoyer to struggle like this. They expected to struggle in other facets of the team. They didn't think Hoyer was going to be the one completing just 58% of his passes. There's two quarterbacks in the league worse than that, Blake Bortles and Deshaun Kaiser. Bottom line, you can't win football games in Kyle Shanahan's system if you're not completing passes. Short-term number two here, Kyle is not running the football enough. 16 carries for Carlos Hyde again. Why is Brian Hoyer throwing the ball 49 times in a game that's 18 to 15? I think, yes, the game dictated that flow a little bit. They were trying to get something going. But to me, Carlos Hyde should have had way more touches, especially in the second half when you realized, hey, Hoyer's not on his A game again. Maybe Kyle was trying to get him going. But to me, 49 times, that's, that's just too much. That's not this team's identity. That's not how they're going to win games. And you're trying to figure out if Carlos Hyde's going to be a part of your team in 2018. He almost looks good enough to get an extension now. I've said that on the podcast before. So to me, I'm trying to figure out more things about Carlos Hyde than I am with Brian Hoyer at this point. Penalties. That's why I can't call this team well-coached yet. I know I did on Twitter. Someone pointed out it's their schemes have been good. You're leading the league in penalties. You're not a well-coached team. There's There's just been too much inconsistency all across the board and getting away with things. That's going to have to be cracked down in practice. I don't think they're learning or being penalized enough in a game. Now, I'm not talking about finding players, but I'm. there's got to be some type of way to be held accountable for this because when it's 13 penalties, it's not on one player. It's on the coaching staff at this point. That has to be cleaned up. Mentioned Marquise Goodwin. They bet on him as their number two horse at wide receiver. He seems like more of your luxury piece than a number two consistent wide receiver. Goes down with a concussion yesterday. Listen, I know that's not his fault, but he's got nine catches in four games. It's on pace for 36 receptions. He's had 58 career receptions. I think he had 29s, his career high. They kind of bet on a guy who was a flyer and not consistent. Kind of the opposite of Pierre Garçon. He's, he's had flashes in the pan. He hasn't been consistent in his career. And it may burn them here. But it may open the door for Kendrick Bourne, Victor Bolden to play a lot more down the stretch if Marquise Goodwin isn't performing. But again, in practice, this guy was probably the training camp MVP. Short-term-wise, that's another facet of the team that's been disappointing. So for me, I can be feeling good about the 49ers and also feeling mm, they're making a lot of mistakes too. But to me, I'm the, the scales are tipped more positively you really going six and ten this year would be a waste. You'd have to trade probably back up in the draft. These games are close. You're a few plays away from being three and one. You're a decent quarterback away from a couple more wins. And Hoyer has not been decent so far. He's been very below average. The stats say that. The eye tests say that. The 49ers made the decision for him to be their guy. The elephant in the room, when is it time to play CJ Bethard? He comes in for one snap yesterday after Hoyer kind of banged up his knee on a a hit that should have been penalized. Comes in, hands the ball off, runs back out. To me, it's nowhere close to Beathard time yet, and here's why. The offense is still functional under Hoyer. Like I said, they were moving between the 20s. I think he had 234 yards passing. There was movement in the offense. He was very inaccurate yesterday. It felt like he was still throwing to the right spots. Aldrick Robinson got targeted 12 times. That was a little, maybe that shouldn't have been happening, but Peterson did have lockdown coverage on Garcon. So 
to me, you don't play C.J. Beathard yet because he might not be able to function this offense. And you're talking about a lower completion percentage than 58. You're talking about not developing Trent Taylor, George Kittle. You're talking about losing games by 20 points and not looking competitive. It's not there yet for me. Hoyer's been the reason they're losing. He hasn't been god-awful either. He hasn't been, we automatically have to bench him yet. So the Beathard issue will come, especially if they lose to the Colts, especially if Jacoby Brissett outplays Hoyer. It will be kind of like, why are we sticking with him? And here's the reason why, because I just don't think Beathard's ready to come in, run play action, throw to the right guy every time. And 49ers fans are going to say, I want to see him fail and do that. You kind of want him to be ready and just give him the team maybe in mid-November if if the record is that bad then. I don't think you want to throw him in now. He's so bad. We got to go back to Hoyer. Then it's Beathard back in in December. You don't want to play musical chairs. You want to give Beathard another, or excuse me, you want to give Hoyer another chance, especially here, these next two games against the Colts. That's winnable. And then going against Kirk Cousins, you kind of owe him that. You really do. It's it's who might replace him next year. He could stand up and put a fight in that game. I think you give Hoyer at least two more starts. And if he's still an issue, then then we'll talk about C.J. Beathard. But Beathard was a third-round pick, and that was just Shanahan getting him there. He, Beathard might have lasted until the fifth or sixth round. There were other teams who were not high on C.J. Beathard. He has a lot to improve on. Clearly beat out Matt Barkley. They think he, his skill set's better. And I know 49ers are going to say, we need to see Beathard now just in case. He, what if he's good? What if he comes in and lights things up? If the 49ers thought that, he'd already be in. If the 49ers thought that Beathard gave him a better chance to win, Kyle would play him. He owes a little bit of loyalty to Hoyer, and they've talked about their close friendship, but this is year one for him. He's trying to get the ship moving in the right direction. He's not just going to ride with Hoyer because he's his friend. How about the elephant in the room on defense? Rashard Robinson, man, and it's, I hate saying I told you so, but this was going to be an issue for them week in and week out. It wasn't really even Fitzgerald all the time, too, and it looks like there was a miscommunication there on that game-winning touchdown at the end between he and Kwan Williams. 49ers have to look at the film, I guess, before assigning blame towards that one, but it looked like Kwan was was frustrated there that someone should have been over the top on that help. But I'll tell you what, Rashard Robinson, they put him in a bad position this year. I just don't think he was ready to be a number one corner. Last year, Tremaine Brock wasn't that good either, but he was able to hold up on the back end. And we also have to think teams were just attacking the 49ers so much through the running game. They weren't even focused on targeting Rashard Robinson as much. There's been more on his plate this year. I just see some technique issues with him. Turning his head when the ball's in the air almost every time. He doesn't even know when the ball's coming. He's just kind of got his arms up in the air hoping that the ball hits his arm. He's not even trying to make a play on the ball. He's tall and physical. I I don't see him jamming at the line for someone with that kind of skill set. Again, Jeff Halfley, great coach in that room, that DB's room. Joe Hayden had a career year 2014 while he was coaching. Um, There's some issues going on with Rashard Robinson. They've got to be able to break these bad habits. It can't be 
there just might have to be some adjustments, I'm saying, with the coaching. I mean, they, they just did not stock that position after Tremaine Brock, after they cut him. They didn't reload there. Dante Johnson wasn't much better. I know I tweeted that he's been more reliable, but just barely. He's been getting burnt, too. The clear blueprint to beat the 49ers is test their young corners deep, often intermediate routes, wherever, more than likely you're going to have success or they're going to commit a penalty, a pass interference that's going to give you great field position. To me, after quarterback, it's clearly corner number two in the offseason. I think a free agent and a high draft pick. What's really disappointing is third-round pick Akella Witherspoon. We knew he was going to be raw. He still can't even get active on a game day and get snaps up there. You're expecting a third-round pick. I know there's projections, but he can't bail out Robinson or Johnson now. He's not ready. He would be worse. It's a little alarming when you have that pick, when you have Joe Williams, who you put on IR, which you've seen more as a stash move than this guy actually needing surgery. Um Middle of the draft has been a little sketchy. End of the draft has been great. They've had Trent Taylor and George Kittle come in and essentially see starting reps. But, I mean, even despite Robinson, you're giving the defense probably a B-plus grade so far this season. They've had one letdown, really, against the Rams. They stonewalled Arizona. Ray Ray Armstrong with the pick early on to save the momentum there. The game could have spiraled out of control if they allowed that. He ended up with 10 tackles. He was flying around, really re- replacing Reuben Foster and, and making the big plays that this defense needs. Six sacks. It was incredible to see that. Doomerville looks like a good signing. He's adding pressure on third downs. He was low risk, high reward. I kind of questioned the timing of it when John Lynch went down with that. that he trusted his former teammate in Denver would come in here and play. He has. Solomon Thomas had a sack. He's making plays. He... It's not up to a blazing start, but he's not hidden on the field. He's definitely getting in the backfield, beating one-on-one blocks. You're happy there. DeForest Buckner is probably the best player in the defense so far. Trent Baalke's parting gift. Haven't seen much from Eric Armstead. Um, Tart has been hitting hard. Jimmy Ward's been hitting hard. Coverage is the issue on this defense, but they've, they played well enough to win. If the offense scored one touchdown, they would have won. If the offense scored a touchdown against Seattle, they would have won. You really have to tip your cap to Robert Sala. This is a first-year coordinator, former linebackers coach, calling plays for the first time. A lot of people thought Kyle would go with an experienced guy to run the defense since he's so heavily involved in the offense. He wanted an up-and-comer. His up-and-comer is doing really well to start the season. Said it last week. I'll say it again. If it does get to 0-7, 0-8, obviously you're taking Hoyer out, but I'm wondering – how they handle it because at that point then you are becoming a joke a punchline will the effort be there what changes will they make they'll have to come out and say we're doing this differently we're doing that differently because you just can't continue to lose even though the losses are close even though i'm fine with this they're going to get a top five draft pick get the player that they really want they got the player they wanted last year in solomon thomas and reuben foster you keep getting players you want and trust your drafting it's worth it to suck for a little bit. It's worth it to have that terrible feeling flying home every Sunday because in a couple of years, you're going to have elite young talent. So I'm saying 3-13 and 13 is my revised prediction now. At this point, 6-10, and 10, they'd have to go 6-6 six and six the rest of the way. That's not happening. Upcoming schedule, 
after Indy and at Washington. Dallas at home, that's a loss. At Eagles, that's a loss. Cardinals at home, that's a coin flip. You might win that. Giants look terrible. They're going to be at home. Um, Seahawks at home. You got a bye week in between that. So you get a lot of home games in November, a chance to win. But I don't know the next time they're going to be favored. At Chicago, if Trubisky comes on and plays well, that's that'll be a storyline. If Trubisky comes in, Chicago starts winning, he looks good. That's the player the 49ers passed on. They'll put pressure on themselves next year to either get Cousins or a rookie that's better than Trubisky since they passed on this guy. At Texans, that's back-to-back weeks. Then you'll have Deshaun Watson. They might make the playoffs. They're probably going to win that division. If they're spanking Tennessee like that, I will say RG3 came in his rookie year and did this kind of thing, especially with his legs. But Watson looks more refined in the pocket. Then you have Titans at home, Jaguars home, at Rams. Yeah, 3-13. and 13. I mean, this was kind of upsold. I think the energy John Lynch had coming in, saying the right things, so many different free agents and draft picks. People, even myself, got caught up in they're going to be able to turn this around quicker than people think. And had Hoyer actually played well in Seattle and at Arizona, they'd probably be 2-2 two and two right now. And our conversations would be, wow, look at Shanahan. He's come in here. It's a couple plays here and there that tilt our minds. But I'm not going to be negative about this team. Until they start losing 30-10 every week and are getting pushed around, they've done some good things here. They've competed hard. Jed York's patience is going to be tested. I mean, John Lynch said two weeks ago, we need a win in the worst way. A win might not be coming till November, but... Things are about to be different for this new group in Santa Clara, but all the same for other players who have been around a while. It's a good thing part of this locker room was gutted. A lot of these players aren't used to losing like this. San Francisco's used to losing like this. The fans are used to losing like this. You know, it's going to test some character, and Kyle Shannon's going to be able to figure out who he wants here in the long term. But I, I'm not totally discouraged. Mentioned all the different points about the scheme, about young players stepping up. It's not all that bad right now. Five of the drives went for nine plays or more, and there were five threes and out, three and outs. So it's like I've been saying, wildly inconsistent, but resilient. That is the theme of the 2017 49ers. Know that going into every game now. You're probably going to lose. You're probably going to put up a fight. There's probably going to be three things that piss you off, but five things that you say, if this player keeps getting better, if this scheme keeps getting better, we're not going to be terrible. I think this team, depending on who plays quarterback next year, will be back at what we originally predicted, 6-10, and 7-9. and nine. This was a throwaway year. This is going to be tough to remain positive. And players in the locker room are going to show frustration. And people like Joe Staley and Navarro Bowman are going to be like, why did we think Kyle Shanahan was so brilliant? There's going to be questions and finger pointing a little bit. It's up to Kyle to really quell the fires and get people to to believe in him. Wins create confidence and belief. Can he still do that without winning? Can you tank a little bit and keep the positive momentum going so far. Yes. And it's been like crazy to even think that every other Owen four team in the league is beyond pissed off. The giants, their fans are horrified. 
The Browns. This is a team, I know they have a rookie quarterback, second-round pick in Kaiser, but they're getting worked. They're going out and not even really competing at the Colts, Cincinnati teams that aren't even good. They're 0-4, and their point differential is minus 44. Close losses have an impact. If you're going to tank and be bad and lose close, it really does feel better. L.A. Chargers are 0-4. They might move back to San Diego next season. That, that franchise is in disarray. Um, everyone else is on the win call, and that's what's been crazy. If you think about it, so many teams are 2-2. Two and two. L.A. Rams are 3-1 and one, sitting atop the division. Their closest game that they didn't lose was against the 49ers. So, listen, be mad if you want. We can have these discussions about the direction of the team. I think it's trending upwards. And I'm going to leave you with that somber day. Not even thoughts and prayers with Vegas. We've got to fix this. I, I'm so devastated that this is normal. In, in a place we've all been out in Nevada, hanging out, a jewel of this country. And it can happen everywhere. Thoughts and prayers are not enough. Remove these machines. Can't You shouldn't click a button and be able to kill someone. That's, that's not fair. And RIP to Tom Petty, too. We'll have another pod for you Thursday morning. Preview Colts 49ers. Thanks for hanging in, guys. I see your interactions with me on Twitter. The numbers to this podcast are remarkably similar to when they were with KMBR. Again, thank you to that brand for giving me this opportunity. And we will see you next week. Not next week. We'll freaking see you Thursday. Getting ahead of myself. Shout out to Pat Chapman for his wedding this weekend. I'll be there. You've reached the High Fashion Hotline. Hi, my family has big plans for Labor Day weekend, but our outfits aren't measuring up. Then get to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, Old Navy's huge Labor Day sale is on now. Get 50% off all jeans, 50% off all dresses, 50% off all tees, and 50% off all sweatshirts and hoodies for the whole family. 50% off all those styles? That's a big deal. So is this. Styles start at just six bucks at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Change of plans. We're spending the weekend at Old Navy. High fashion. Old Navy. Valid 830 to 93. Excludes in-store clearance. Active licensed and men's package tees.